Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines. And John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you. And I want to dive into all things NFL, but I wanted to ask before we get started, uh, how familiar were you? I know when you cover the NFL, and I know me and you have talked about college football. We talked about Baylor a lot in Texas, but how familiar were you with Mike Leach since he uh, passed away last night at 61? I didn't know Mike, but I certainly followed his career when he went to Texas Tech in 2000. He was a disciple of Hal Mummy. He had been with Hal Mummy three different places, and the last was Kentucky. And Mummy was uh, – he ran a version of the run and shoot, what they call an air raid. He never gets enough credit for it. About being the guy, and he didn't care. And then he went to Oklahoma for one year, and then Tech hired him. And I remember when he got to Tech, people asked him, "Why do you throw the ball all the time? Why do you throw so many short passes?" And he said, "Because out here, I don't think we're going to recruit those big time offensive linemen that go to Texas and Texas A and M and Oklahoma and LSU. So we're going to throw the ball." and set up to run, and so he was just happy with a four- or five-yard pass, and they'd work the ball down the field. People gave it the air raid title, and there was a stigma with it by the air raid quarterbacks. They don't end up in the NFL. It's a college offense, and he was fine with that, and he was a hell of a coach. It was He did he did some things, Q, that were just they were funny as hell, and he said things that other coaches would have gotten suspended or fired. And I've been equating him with Charles Barkley. Barkley can say anything, yeah, and there's no repercussions. And and Leach would get ripped for some of the things he said, like after they lost to A&M. He said the players spending too much time with their fat, fat girlfriends. And uh, that caused a tremendous backlash. And then one time he went into uh, – uh, love a TV station and did the weather. And he said, look, you want to know what the weather is? Go outside, turn your palms up. And if it's raining, it's going to be mud rain because the wind dust blows out here. And when it rains, it turns into mud. He said, I got to coach football. And people, people ate that up. And it was too bad his exit from tag because it was ugly. Craig James's son, Adam, was a receiver. He got a concussion. And James's family went public and said his son was mistreated, abused because Leach made him go into a shed next to the practice facility. And Leach said, and other players confirmed, if you're injured, you've got to be at practice. And the shed is dark, and if you got a concussion, you should be in a shed. But it is air-conditioned, and there's a lot of players practicing right now that would love to be in a shed and get out of this heat. Well, it, it was such a an ugly controversy that the school uh, suspended him, and then he went after the school, and he ended up getting fired. And, and uh, it's funny, we never heard from Craig James either after that. Right. And uh, he was supposed to do a bowl game, and they took him off of it. He's at ESPN, a hell of an analyst. And uh, I thought... Leach would never be able to revive his career, but he went, not that Washington State is not a good program, but it is out of the way. You know, he grew up in Wyoming, so he's familiar with that part of the country. He resurrected his career and then got a good job at Mississippi State. 
And I thought, why in the world would he want to go with the SEC, the best conference in the country, where it's dog-eat-dog, but he went down there and kind of set it on its ear. Yeah, he really did. In his last game, he won against uh, Elaine Kiffin and, and Ole Miss. And so uh, there you go, uh, Mike Leach. I'll tell uh, you, go ahead. Excuse me, Q. I'll tell you something. I, uh, they're playing in a bowl game in uh, Tampa. Mm-hmm. And Leach loved Pirates. He loved the camaraderie of the Pirates. He loved their, he loved how they stuck together. And he used to talk about Pirates all the time. Well, there's a pirate ship in the end zone at that stadium. And I'll guarantee you, the Buccaneers are going to do some kind of tribute to Mike Leach and his fascination with Pirates with their pirate ship. I guarantee they do. You're right about that, and he did have a big infatuation with Pirates. I mean, hell, he should have came out to Vegas and, uh, you know, hung out with the Raiders for a little while. I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. So He would have fit right in. Yes, he would have. He was a hell of a character, that's for sure. I never got to meet him or interview him, but I know he was a hell of a character and a hell of a coach. Uh, very well respected. Again, we're talking with John McClain here from GallerySports.com and Sports Radio 610 on Raider Nation Radio 920. We saw Monday Night Football. We saw the Patriots beat the Cardinals, but the big story line was Kyler Murray tore his ACL he's out and it's late in the season John it's late in mid-December uh what do you think that that does for the Cardinals Kyler Murray and even Cliff Kingsbury moving forward I don't think it'll save Cliff Kingsbury's job I think he's gone you know they started on last year but after that they've been terrible and uh, uh I think this Murray may miss the start of next season. You don't know. ACLs depend on the player, the surgery, the rehab, but the way he runs so much and the quick cuts, I think that he may, he'll take at least 10 months and uh, that'll be too bad because he's such an exciting player. But the bottom line is he'll recover and he'll recover behind and he'll go back to quarterbacking the Cardinals probably with a new head coach. Something else that I want to ask you about from last night's game is the Patriots offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. He, he calls the plays, and, um, excuse me, Mac Jones was asked after the game, are you frustrated with the play call? And he says, hey, I trust Matty P. I trust him and all that good stuff. But have you seen an offensive coordinator be so scrutinized with a team that's kind of doing fairly well? No. Well, let me say yes. Offensive coordinators have been able to scrutinize all the time. But when you were a successful defensive coordinator with multiple Super Bowl rings, and then you're calling plays, he's going to get even more scrutiny. And Mac Jones, they expect him to show a lot of improvement. You know, I'd I'd be surprised if he's if he's going to have that position next year. I got to think they're going to bring in an offensive coordinator and a proven quarterback coach to help with his development. And uh, but it is it's such a strange move, but the fact that Bill Belichick makes it, and he's got all those Super Bowl trophies. It's hard to doubt him, but it's certainly I'm not going to say it's uh, never been done, but it, boy, it is rare. Right, no doubt. John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. John, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. I think Cliff Kingsbury ends up being the offensive coordinator in New England next season. That's just my gut feeling. I just think that's where he's going. Maybe he will, but his system is not what Bill Belichick likes. My choice would be Billy O'Brien, the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. and quarterback coach at Alabama, who worked for him for five years as quarterback coach, receivers coach, and offensive coordinator and play caller. So I don't know. I'd always heard O'Brien had a two-year commitment 
Alabama. I don't know. I think Saban wants to keep him. But if he leaves, I have heard his name mentioned with any head coaching job in the NFL or college, if you want to resurrect your career, whether you're a general manager like John Robinson or an assistant coach like Bill O'Brien, go to the Patriots. What did you think of uh, Brock Purdy's performance for the 49ers in their beatdown to Tampa Bay on Sunday? There have been a lot of astonishing things that have happened in the NFL, including Baker Mayfield's magical return. Mm-hmm. But for Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last player drafted, who gave no indication that I would state he was capable of doing what he doing, to me, that is number one. Purdy's doing a great job. His teammates are doing a great job. Kyle Shanahan and the quarterback coaches, those guys are doing a tremendous job. It, you know, Tom Brady was a six-round pick, and when he came in and did well, people kept thinking it's not going to last. And I'm not saying Purdy's going to be Brady, but the similarities are kind of unbelievable. And uh, he's fortunate to have the best defense in the NFL, coached by Domingo Ryan's the guy that should be the defensive MVP. Nick Bosa, who beats Micah Parsons in every defensive stat for a pass rusher and and it'd be great if the Super Bowl was 49ers defense with Mr. Irrelevant quarterback <laughs> against the Eagles, uh, the best team with the best record and the best offense because they've got the best mix of running and passing. That would be just a great game to watch. Well, that could be a possibility. It could come down to the NFC Championship game like that, and uh, maybe maybe that'll end up being what it is, and then we're really entertained as they all make their way to the Super Bowl. Again, we're talking with John McClain from GallerySports.com and Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead. Excuse me, Q. One of the things I just thought about, based on where Purdy's from and where he grew up, I don't think that weather would be that big a deal for him playing in Philadelphia. And, uh, but the 49ers, they got a good running game. Debo Samuel's out a while. Christian McCaffrey doing a terrific job, but they've had to overcome a lot of injuries. But if they were to play at, uh, Lincoln Financial Field and lose, I don't think it would be for any reason other than Purdy didn't play as well as the 49ers fans would want him. Not anything about the atmosphere or the conditions. A player that's trying to overcome some injuries is Odell Beckham Jr., and he had some visits. He was on the recruiting trail, you know, getting paraded around, but we've seen the teams that he went to a visit for, the Bills signing Cole Beasley and the Cowboys with T.Y. Hilton. Do you think that Odell fumbled the bag and he's not going to get picked up for the remainder of the season? I don't think he is. He said he didn't know why he should play in regular season. That was not smart. (laughs) It looks like as the Cowboys leaked, his knee's not where you want it to be. Probably he should just wait till off season, work out for anybody who wants him to work out, and just blow off the rest of the season. What did you think about the the Cowboys squeaking out that victory over the Texans? And were Texans fans a little nervous that they might actually win that game? Well, they could they could have won it. Biggest upset in the NFL this season. Still had the inside track to the first overall pick, and and because Houston hates Dallas so much, and Dallas doesn't recognize Houston exist except when the Astros kick their ass every year in baseball. And uh I was stunned. I was shocked they were in a position to win. I was not surprised they didn't score 
after having first and goal on the floor. I thought their offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton, has done a terrible job, had some weird personnel groupings. When you rely on a third-string quarterback and a third-string running back, now Damian Pierce was injured. And that would be Jeff Driscoll and Rex Burkhead against one of the NFL's best defenses. You know, you need – I would have had Jeff Driscoll run four plays before I would have handed the ball to Rex Burkhead two times. And on fourth down, having an option for the quarterback to keep a pinch at the Burkhead, my God, Burkhead is terrible. <laughs> and, John, as we wrap this up, I got to take you back to Thursday night. You mentioned Baker Mayfield. We talked about him last week. Uh, the Rams get the victory over the Raiders, 17-16. It's the storyline is Baker Mayfield, but, you know, he had the long 98-yard drive. What did you think of his performance, and what does that mean for him moving forward? Well, first of all, the Raiders know they got no business allowing a touchdown drive like that to a guy that been in practice twice. It was an unbelievable situation for Mayfield. I would never believe it. Just like with Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay and his assistants deserve so much credit. And watching Mayfield throw the ball, I'm thinking he had done that since his second year. And uh, uh, great for him. Peter King had a great insight talking to Mayfield after that game. It told you a lot about him, the circumstances, more power to him. I feel bad for the Raiders blowing all these leads like they do. And, man, oh, man, but what a moment for Mayfield. Yeah, it was. It was a heck of a moment for him and the Rams. And, yeah, the Raider Nation was not very happy. I was stunned. I didn't know what to say for about a day, John. I just couldn't believe what I actually witnessed. And I think that's probably the first time I was speechless, as you know me. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was the only time. I mean, you go to a cemetery and talk, and then when you're talking, you're asleep. <laughs> you're not wrong. You are not wrong. The wife will verify that 100%. Well, John, what do you got coming out on gallerysports.com we should be on the lookout for? Negative stories, columns about the Texans, and I'm going to write about the NFL playoffs tomorrow so I can have something fun and positive to write about it for a change. What about the Houston Cougars and their basketball team? They're playing really well. They are. They just got beat by Alabama, and, yeah. and uh, they're still ranked, I think, in the top five. And yeah. People, they got it going on with Kelvin Sampson, as you can imagine. There's two teams in Houston right now, the Astros and the Cougars basketball team. <laughs> John, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Cue the mind. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. There you go. Merry Christmas to you as well. John McClain from gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610, joining us going a little bit around the NFL, talking about everything, all the biggest storylines, uh, all things NFL, and also gave us some great stuff on Mike Leach, who passed away at the age of 61, a coach I never got an opportunity to talk to, but definitely admired from a distance and uh, knew that he was a hell of a coach and uh, really a hell of a personality on top of that. So uh, good stuff there from John McClain. 316 is the time. Got a ton of text to get to. Also, we'll get to your calls, 702 3 Six five nine two hundred. It's only been five wins, but what has been the brightest spot for you this season for the Silver and Black? It's three sixteen. This is Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And here we are, Raider Nation, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. Coming up around 3.30, Michael Williams, Sunrise Mountain High School. Uh, he is a Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient for Girls Flag Football. I think it's really cool that the Raiders are not only recognizing boys football, uh, but also girls flag football. That is a sport that uh, is a scholarship sport. You can get a scholarship for that, and I think that that's really cool. Anytime that a, a, young, a young person can get a scholarship, 
scholarship and take care of themselves on the next level is fantastic. You know, my son goes to Western Oregon. Matter of fact, he's playing a basketball game later tonight, and I tell him all the time, like, dude, whatever you do in life, you've already out, out, outshined me, right? I mean, you literally paid for your own schooling. And anyone who knows, anyone who's put a kid in school knows that school is not cheap. And so for for a, a, a young person to be able to get a scholarship doing something that they enjoy doing, that is fantastic. So I applaud every sport that is a, a scholarship-receiving sport because that gives someone a, a, a goal. It gives them something that they can achieve in life, and I think that that is fantastic. So we'll hear from Michael Williams from Sunrise Mountain High School coming up about 3.30. But right now I want to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line. We got a lot of text, 69187, keyword R&R. Wondering, what is your biggest bright spot for this season? I know it's only a five-win season, but there's been some bright spots. We want to know what yours are. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our friend Raider66. Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. How are you doing today? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Great. I'm, I'm the same. You know, yeah, it's been a disappointing season, but uh, I've got three. Okay. Spots for you. You got uh, Devontae Adams leading the league in touchdown receptions while tied with Kelsey. You've got uh, Max Crosby, who is just a terror on defense. He's among the league leaders in sacks. He's blocking field goals. He's knocking the ball loose and just playing the run like a demon. And then you got Josh Jacobs, who is not only the leading rusher in the NFL, he is the leader in yards from scrimmage in the NFL. Yeah. So when was the last time a 5-8 and eight team had legitimate candidates for both Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year? I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah. The Raiders have it this year. And thank you so much for the time. You guys have a great day. Hey, great call right there. And yeah, th- three great bright spots. And, yeah, I mean, I-, I always focus in on the rushing when it comes to, well, running backs and Josh Jacobs in particular. But you're right. You know, scrimmage yards, over 1,600 scrimmage yards is a whole hell of a lot. And, you know, I, I shouldn't not – think about that when it comes to Josh Jacobs because that's always been a conversation around him. Surrounding him is about, oh, well, he's not a great receiver out of the backfield, which one, I never understood where that came from because he did it at Alabama. But he's really showing it on a whole nother level this year as well. So yeah, uh, great stuff, Raider 66. Good to hear from you as well. Uh, I like that. So uh, let us know what you think. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Got some good text to get to. How about one from the 917 Q&D. My bright spot has to be that there was no real off-the-field drama with the team. All the drama this year has been on the field, and that's a plus. And that was one of the things that we talked about quite a bit heading into the season. And I remember talking to Derek Carr in media sessions like, hey, are you happy that you could just go out there and worry about football and not worry about all the off-the-field antics and everything else going on? And it was almost like a big sigh of relief, and he you know, let his hair down a little bit. Now, unfortunately, the season hasn't gone the way that you know all of us, well, at least I expected it to go. Uh, thinking that they should be at least a double-digit win team. But they look, they still have four games left. And uh, like Fargo Raider called earlier, they hey, they still could end up at uh, you know above 500, uh, depending on how everything shakes out. Now it would take a four-game winning streak, and they haven't had one of those yet this year, but that doesn't mean that they can't. Because what I thought last year, I thought last year they couldn't have a four-game winning streak, and they did. So uh, we'll see. They got four games starting this week with the Patriots, but I do like that text about no off-the-field drama. Uh, also got a text from the 707. One bright spot for this season is we're scoring almost two more points per game and giving up almost two less points per game this season than last year. We just need to find a way to translate that into wins. 
I like the I like the score right there. Uh, that's 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 some really good stuff because yeah, scoring more points and not allowing as many points is a is a really good thing. That was one of the things, Demond, that we had plenty of people on uh, during the off season, and the ones that thought that oh the Raiders aren't going to be that good, they went to the point differential. Remember last? That's all they pointed at was like well. If you look at the point differential, they were like like negative 65 or whatever. So uh, they're not scoring enough points, and they're giving up too many. Well, to this texture's point, now they're scoring more points, and they're not giving up as many. Is it translating into wins yet? No. But that's, that's a good trend at least. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because the team that's been that's been talked about so much this season is the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm already thinking in my head, next season they're going to fall off a cliff. Right, because right. of everything that was told to us over the offseason. Yeah. they're they, obviously they have a great record. I think they're um ten they and three, ten and three. Yeah, but their point differential is negative one right now. Right. So I'm just I've been looking at that number all week. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings they're in trouble next season. You know, and it's funny, and and it's hard for me to even fix my face to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't even think they're a good ten and three team, right? I mean, but now anyone would take that record. Let's not get it <laughs> yep. twisted, right? Let me be a bad team that has a ten and three record. I'd be okay with that. Like, don't get it twisted. But when I look at the games that they lost, including this last week to the to uh, Detroit, I just think, you know what? This team's really got some issues, man. They got some really good players. They obviously could score some points. Justin Jefferson's fantastic. Kirk Cousins, I've never been a big believer in, but again, I'm I'm from a distance. I'm not up close to personal, so I don't, you know, I don't know what he, you know, what he's like uh, on the everyday. Like we know what Derek Carr is like, and you know, so uh, there's that. But it just feels like it feels like they're going to be one of those teams that gets to the playoffs and be one and done. I mean, seriously, like it does not to me. If you told me Minnesota was going to go on a deep run and and maybe go to the uh, to the Super Bowl, I'd call you a liar. I don't see it. I'm right there with you, but it goes to that point differential where it's got to matter. Where if if you yeah. can look at that and say from the Raiders last season, hey, that's how I knew that they the, them making getting into the playoffs was fluky at best. Or hey, they're not going to be as good in the following season because of the point differential. I think so. You know, ipso facto, we got to look at that and say, hey, well, that team can't be that good then. Right. No, I mean, it's it's so funny. Again, I feel dumb saying that they're a, not a good 10 and 3 team because they're 10 and 3, right? I mean, so it's it's really it's bad to say that, but I've spent like all weekend long while I was doing uh ESPN National. I just I spent the whole weekend saying they're just not that great and I wanted to see them beat Detroit and and prove that they are. Because if you think about it, they got the break speed off of them by the Cowboys, like 40 to 3 in their house. In their house. Right? I mean, that was a whooping. And then the, the game this weekend against Detroit, it wasn't even as close as the final score. I mean, they scored a, a, a charity touchdown at the end or, a, or charity points. I don't know. I think it was a touchdown. But they scored at the end to make it a little bit closer. But it wasn't even that close. So I, I just feel like that they are one of those teams that – and every once in a while you'll see these teams that have a good record but aren't really a good team. I think the Steelers did that one year where they got off to a hot start. Hell, Denver did it last year. Remember they got off to a hot start and people were calling in. I was like, well, they got a good record. And they're like, yeah, Q, they suck. Right? They're, they're, they're going to be a terrible team. They just – all the teams they've played have been terrible. And I'm not – I don't want to say that about Minnesota, but they just don't feel like a very good team. But, again, <laughs> if the Raiders had that 10-3 and record right now, I don't care who told me that they were a bad team. I'd still take that 10-3 and record all day, all day long, all week long, and be good with it. But, again – that's, what, that's what's going on right there with the Minnesota Vikings. 328 is the time. Uh, continue to hit us with your text at 69187, keyword R&R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. You can also hit us up on the phone line, 702-365-9200. What has been your biggest bright spot for the Raiders season so far? With four games still left to go, 
and already well and five wins. I don't want to say already five wins because that's an understatement right there. They should have more than that. But let us know about it. Hit us up and uh, give us your feedback. Coming up next, we're going to take it to the high school football world, and we're going to talk to our guy, our head coach, Michael Williams, Sunrise Mountain High School girls flag football, the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. He'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And joining us now on the phone line is the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner for Week 2 of Girls Flag Football season, and that's Michael Williams from Sunrise Mountain High School. Coach, congratulations on the award and your team off to a 3-0 record so far in the young season, having a couple big wins last week. What have you seen from your team so far as you've gotten off to that 3-0 start? Uh... My girls just play with a lot of excitement and fun, um, pretty much. You know, we um, try to teach the girls how to play the, the right way and, and have fun, most importantly. You know, they are student-athletes. So, at the end of the day, as long as these girls are having fun and learning some some life concepts on the field, then we feel this is a success. Your team against Slam last week put up 56 points, which seems like everything was just going right for you in that game. Uh, was it just a matter of once you got rolling, it was almost like a snowball effect? Or what happened in that game where you are able to uh, have so much success? Uh, well, that particular game was against El Dorado. Oh, okay. And um, I have a – I don't want to put too much pressure on them, but I have a young group of girls that are very talented. And it's starting to click. And – the scary thing is is belief, and these girls are starting to believe. And once you believe, that kind of triggers into knowing. And I think we're kind of borderline borderlining on that aspect. Like these girls are knowing how good they can be. How exciting and fun is it for them? Not only just playing the game, but also learning the game. Like you mentioned earlier, just kind of teaching them, you know, how the game goes, what they should be doing, the fundamentals of it. But then out there, going and seeing them go out there and execute it at a high level. Uh, it is truly exciting. Um, I, I coached boys football for 10 years in the past, and I can honestly say coaching boys and girls, the genuine excitement that comes from watching these girls um, experience success is, is thrilling. Um, and, and, and kind of it is naive because they don't really know necessarily football or know what they're doing. You know, they're just trusting your coaching and your teaching and they're going out and executing, and they're having success, and then they're reaping the rewards of that. How much difference is it when you're going from teaching boys football to girls flag football and just kind of the nuances and and the understanding and just the way that you even coach it up? Uh, Well, there is a difference. I am still in my learning curve. This is my (laughs) second year coaching flag football, Um, so I'm still trying to balance the nuances. Um, But from the, the game of football girls don't necessarily understand it as much as guys uh, genuinely um they understand the basis of the game but uh, the fine-tuning of how to play it that that's the funnest of teaching that and and getting them to understand that and the lingo and once that starts to click man it's really fun Talking right now with Coach Michael Williams from Sunrise Mountain High School here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Again, the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Ward winner for uh, Week 2 of the Girls Flag Football season. And you were led by your quarterback slash defensive back, Asia Johnson. Uh, She's having a fantastic season so far. 11 touchdowns, 585 total yards. How special of a player is Asia? Uh, Asia is one of a couple of special girls that I have. Um, 
Asia is a sophomore. Last year, she uh, made state in the high jump mm. uh, in track and fields, and she played volleyball this season. I mean, she's just an all-around athlete. She, she's a special talent, and she's leading a, a special group of girls. You know, it's funny. As soon as I mentioned her name, I can I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the you know the smile about the talent. That tells you a lot about a player when you can hear the smile in a coach's voice when you talk about their player. Oh man, I, I I am a modest person. I, I'm very humble. Like this experience has been very humbling to me. Try to teach my girls to stay in the moment, but you know, I I will do. I will be doing Asia disjustice if I don't help her tap into her full potential. That's awesome. And obviously she's having a heck of a season. And like you said, just an all-around athlete. Uh, but so far on the season, again, 11 TDs, 585 total yards. And Coach, again, your name is on this award for the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. But I realize it's a staff award. It's a team award. What does this recognition mean to the team and also yourself? Uh, it, it caught us by surprise. You know, I, I let my coaches know that uh, we won team of the week. You know, they were shocked. I let my, my girls know uh, this morning they were in total awe and dismay. I mean, me, I am still kind of just like in a surreal experience. I mean, you know, I, I've i been in Vegas now for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got to Sunrise, you know, I've heard a whole lot of negative uh, stigma about Sunrise. So it's like, you know, I, I, I never thought that, you know, we would be getting – acknowledged, let alone, you know, recognized for the hard work that we put in. Right. And then this is on top of that uh, NFL team and the Raiders who not only just play here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, but also take care of the community and recognize the community, both in boys football and girls flag football. So what does that mean that a team like the Raiders with that kind of name recognition uh, is is so focused in and locked in on the community? Um, it, it's great. I mean, it, it, it allows, especially, you know, the, to be a little biased and speak towards, you know, my side of the valley. It allows, you know, those those kids on the east side to to, to feel like they can be acknowledged and, and rewarded, like, you know, that we're not mm-hmm. just forgotten about. Right, no doubt. And I know that that's a special feeling, and it's easy for you to kind of point over and say, hey, look, right over there at Allegiant Stadium, and the, the, those uh, those young men that are over there playing in the stadium, you can do the same thing, right? I mean, it just kind of helps them, you know, and even the, the, the girls, the girls' flag football team, you could tell them that, hey, anything that they want to do, they can do. And that stadium over there, the Henderson facility, all that is proof that whatever you want to do, you can do. So I'm uh, sure that, you know, it's a nice inspiration for your team and, and even just the community in general. General. So what's next for your team? Again, you're 3-0. and I know you got some games coming up. What's the schedule looking like for your team? Uh, well, this week is uh, finals. So uh, my student athletes are going to be students this week. Make sure <laughs> yes. they're the time and uh, work to pass all their classes and uh, make sure that they're eligible for the upcoming semester. And when the Christmas break roll around, we're back to work. So you get back to work during the Christmas break. Are you playing more games before Christmas, or do you wait till after? We're waiting to after. Our next game won't be until the new year. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Get a little bit of rest, like you said. Do go ahead and be a student, and uh, also get some time with the family, and then boom, get right back at it. Well, that's that's awesome. And and again, congratulations on getting off to the nice three and zero start. Congratulations on being the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner for week two. And again, I know it's more than just an award for you. It's for the whole team and the community as well. So congratulations, Coach. And thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. Thank you, man. You have a great night. 
There he goes right there, the coach of Sunrise Mountain High School, Michael Williams, joining us here to talk all things uh, girls flag football and being the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient. It's funny, no joke, things happen just at funny, strange times. I always say that my computer, whenever I'm talking about something or my computer knows me better than I know me, uh, all of a sudden it pops up on my computer like Nikes and Cadillacs, right? I always get advertisements like that. Uh, apparently I search that a lot. Well, this I did not search, but – it just happened that NFL Communications, and I get emails from NFL Communications all the time, they just sent me an email, NFL IFAF Advancement of Global Flag Football Ambassadors Team Continues. I mean, no joke, that just came through just a few minutes ago, which is crazy, but it basically is the Flag Football Ambassadors Team, first announced ahead of the NFL's kickoff weekend earlier this year, supports the combined global efforts of the NFL and the IFAF to increase awareness, interest, and participation in flag football internationally and drive forward the development of the game. But it's just so funny because we're talking about flag football. I know we're talking about girls' flag football on the high school level, but it's just so funny how we're talking about it, and all of a sudden the NFL sends over a notice about what they have going on. And some people that are in, you know, involved in this, Chase Claypool, Chicago Bears wide receiver. Uh, he was actually born in Canada. He's part of this. Uh, Aeneas Williams, the Pro Football Hall of Famer. Uh, he's part of this. Uh, uh, Sammy Reyes, uh, Chicago Bears defensive lineman, uh, born in Chile. He's part of this. Uh, there's multiple others. Uh, Phoebe Schechter, former coach in the Buffalo Bills, uh, part of the Great Britain's women's national team. Uh, she's involved in this. OCU Menorah is part of this. Amona uh, Amonra St. Brown, excuse me, uh, part of this, and, and many others. So it's just, it was just really cool and really good timing that uh, all of a sudden that popped through when we were talking to Coach there. So there you go. 3.40 is the time. When we come back, we'll get to some more of your calls and texts. So light them up, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. We want to hear from you. And also the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R bright spots. That's what we're looking for from this season. I know the Raiders only have five wins, but there's a lot of, I think, bright spots that you can go back and look at and say, yeah, you know what? That was a bright spot. That's what I want to hear about it. And I want to hear it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Lincoln Kennedy is scheduled to join us at 4 o'clock. We'll see what happens at 4 o'clock. <laughs> He was supposed to be on the Raider Roundtable with us earlier today. JT and myself recorded it at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, but uh, he wasn't part of the show, so I'm assuming that he's going to join us at four, but sometimes, you know, he's got things to do, and, you know, a lot of times it gets busy, especially around this time of year, man. It's tough uh, to catch up with everybody and get everybody in the same place at the same time, so especially coming off a long road trip that he was on. So not too sure if Lincoln Kennedy is going to join the show. I anticipate him being on the show, but, again, we'll wait till four to find out about that but Raider Nation you can be part of the show at any point 702-365-9200 also the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R before we uh, go on with any of the feedback that we received and we got a ton of text to get to I did want to remind you about the Josh Jacobs meet and greet going on on Friday it's at four country in the Valley Auto Mall at 6 p.m. special meet and greet with Josh Jacobs uh, crumble cookies will be there Porta subs will be there Buffalo Wild Wings will be there and of course Radio Nation Radio 920 will be on site Damon and myself uh, so you can come hang out and if you want to meet Josh Jacobs you want to get that autograph he did it last year and Damon can tell you as <laughs> as God is our witness Damon how packed was that was that a car dealership when Josh Jacobs was signing autographs last season they had to turn away a line that was just as long for people that still wanted to get in. Right. Like, that could have been a whole separate signing of people that were turned away. 
Right, exactly. I mean, that part right there. And it was really cool last year. What I could appreciate about the community is so many people just drove by and said, here, I can't stand in that line. I can't wait in that line. I'm not going to make it in, but here's some canned foods. Uh, can you guys just take them in? And me and Damon, I don't know how many times I felt like we I felt like I was a bagger again back in the day when I was working at the grocery store because we were just taking bags on top of bags on top of bags of canned goods into the car dealership for people that couldn't even get in. They just were like, hey, we want to we just want to give back. And they did. And I thought that that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was great, too. I felt like I was a part of the staff just helping out, and it felt good yeah. to be a part of it and helping and also, you know, you know, squeezing in, like, those extra few people where they were cutting off the line, like, hey, man, you guys can get in. I felt like I was kind of orchestrating it a little bit just to try to help out as many people as possible. But all the donations that were uh, brought, you know, last year helped as well, and I'm going to bring some stuff this year as well, you know, because, like, I learned that from with Mark McMillan. When you get invited somewhere, bring something to help out as well. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. And it's easy for us to always think that, hey, I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that. But, man, there's actually folks out there that really, really need some assistance. And if we can provide anything, it could be something small or it could be like like we emptied some cars last year, uh, you know, bags on top of bags on top of bags, right? And it was awesome. So, I mean, whatever small or large you can uh, you can help out with would be great. But make sure you go register at jjafc.eventbrite.com. That's the letters jjafc.eventbrite.com. You want to meet Josh Jacobs this Friday, 6 p.m., Ford Country in the Valley Auto Mall. So what I'm going to do, it's funny, on Friday uh, we'll be doing our typical Buffalo Wild Wings tour. We do it every Friday. I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings right off of Flamingo, right there on Wallapai. Uh, this will be our second time we'll be at that location. So we'll do that. Show will get wrapped up at 5 o'clock. We'll shake some hands, kiss some babies, and then boom, get into the car and head on over to Ford Country in the Valley Auto Mall and be ready for 6 o'clock for the meet and greet with Josh Jacobs. So uh, we're going to be all over the place like we always are. That's what we like to do around here. We like to – the problem is when we look up and we're like, all right, what do we do, and we don't have nothing to do, that's when all of a sudden we get concerned. Like, wait a minute, hold on. Someone's out there working. It's not me. There's a problem. <laughs> something is tragically going on. So uh, we want to be as busy as possible, and it's going to be a lot of fun to close out the week really strong with not only a show from Buffalo Wild Wings, but also the event at Four Country for the leading rusher in the NFL, one Josh Jacobs. But we do want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Again, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R, &R, and the phone line is 702-365-9200. DeMond, do we got any, any callers that you want me to get to real quick? Not at the moment. Okay, cool. Perfect. We'll get to a bunch of texts. I got uh, plenty of good texts to get to, uh, like this one from Big Dub Raider. He said, Q, I think the bright spot this season has been the O-line. Everyone had this group as the worst on our team, and they've produced the league's leading rusher. Go Raiders. And I'll say this. It ain't always been the bright spot, right? <laughs> at the beginning of the season, when they were rotating all those different bodies, it was a, a, a question. It was problematic. Even though they were still finding ways to run block, they were struggling to pass block. When they had that three-game winning streak, you really started to see them gel, and that's why it really stinks that Alex Bars went down because, man, he was part of that, right? And Alex Bars is not some great offensive lineman that, you know, is just, oh, man, you got to make sure he's in the mix, and, and that's how your offensive line is going to go, but he fit in. You know, Jermaine Illuminor, as many you know penalties as he had and as many times as I thought, okay, maybe that dude is done, the only guy that still believed in him was Slow Jam James, right? Slow Jam James was the only guy that still was like, hey, Jermaine Illuminor is my guy, and I was like, okay. <laughs> we'll see, but all of a sudden he fit in, right? He fit in and it made a whole lot of sense. 
Thayer Mufford stepped up when had to, you know. And so uh, these guys are starting to come together. And so hopefully they can finish off the season strong, the the four that or the five that are out there. Uh, I don't know when Alex Bars is going to come back. We'll talk to Josh McDaniels tomorrow, so maybe we'll get an update then. But, uh, yeah, man, the, the offensive line is actually – DeMond, they've actually turned themselves into something where we all thought it was going to be a super weak spot. They, they can show, they're showing that they're more than serviceable for sure. Oh, yes, and also I don't know if you mentioned Dylan Parham or yeah. the effort that he's had as well because I know he was the first draft pick for the Raiders this year, but I didn't think he was going to start. I thought he was going to be a nice depth piece. Mm-hmm. But then you see the production that he's had. And I know that the offensive line, like you said, they haven't been the be- the, the bright spot for right. the entire season. But going back to the offseason, and I know he hasn't played a down all season, but Brandon Parker, where he said he was the first person to come out and say, hey, I hear it all. We hear it all. Yeah. We're going to come out and basically, you know, put the haters to rest. And it was hard getting to that point earlier in the season, but they've overcome. And like the texter said, produced the best rusher in the league. Right, exactly. So, Big Dub Raider, thank you so much for that text. We appreciate you. Uh, the Five and Dime said, Bright spot is that the coach and GM can no longer ignore just how inexcusably bad the defensive talent is. I think it's fair to expect them to focus heavily on that side of the ball come draft and free agency to help us win those close games. Fantastic. Great text right there. And, of course, you want to win every single game. But there is a glaring difference between the offense and the defense. Does that mean that the defense doesn't have to show up? No. But the defense does need to be addressed. And I've said this to anyone who will listen, and I, 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 full, and I don't like to talk about the offseason when there's still four games left. I really don't because I feel like that that's just saying, all right, well, the season's over. It's a wrap. Well, there's still four games to be played, and there's plenty of time to talk about the offseason. But I, I'll give you a sneak peek of what my offseason for the Raiders. If I was a, a voice in that room and, I, and they said, Q, what would your plan be for this offseason for this team I would say just straight up like this it has to be everybody in the in all your draft capital no matter how many draft picks you use use them all on defense I want to get all the best players that are available at that time that you pick on defense every one of them pull a Carolina Panthers and I know Matt Rule's no longer in the league but pull a Matt Rule in the Carolina Panthers where they went and addressed the the defense every single one of their picks that that year were all defensive guys and then in free agency, this is what I would do. This is my plan for the offseason. Again, don't like to talk about it with four games left, but it came up. So all defense with the draft, and as far as free agency, you address the offensive line, continue to build the offensive line, and then sign Josh Jacobs to, what, to whatever you need to sign him to. Whatever needs to, to, to be signed to to make it work, that's what you do. Those are the only, 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 only way I'm looking at that offseason, right? Nothing but... Defense in the draft and offense as far as offensive line and Josh Jacobs in free agency, and I'm good. And I think that the Raiders have a really good squad. You go out and get the best defensive guys and address the offensive line and make sure Josh Jacobs comes back for whatever you feel like he needs to come back. That would be my offseason program, (laughs) just straight up. And that's what it will be when we start talking about the offseason. I will lean heavily in that same conversation. I will not waver from, from that at all. You're hearing it right now, December 13th. That's going to be the conversation in April. I promise you. That's what the conversation is going to be when free agency opens up. That's exactly what it's going to be. So there's that, DeMond. <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying, but I just looked at Carolina when they pulled off this strategy that you just spoke of. Yep. It didn't work too well. I'll, I'll just say it. Name their players. Name the players that they drafted. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, that defense is pretty damn good. Derek Brown. Very good player. Defensive tackle. Yep. 
That was out of Auburn. He's a very good player. All right, this next guy out of Penn State. It was also on the defensive line. Yeah, that was an edge rusher. Yeah, he's a good player. Matos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matos. 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 Yeah, he's a good player. Jeremy Chin? Absolutely a great player. I actually wanted the Raiders to draft him, so that's a good player. Troy Perry Jr.? That one didn't work out very well. Kenny Robinson Jr.? Who? Kenny Robinson Jr.? Uh, I don't remember what he did. He so. was out of West Virginia, and uh, he has not taken a snap for a team this season. Okay, well, then so. obviously that didn't work out. Bravion Roy? Yeah, Bravion Roy was a good little player. He was a depth piece. He was out of Baylor, a little defensive tackle. He's a little uh, – I like to call him a fire hydrant. He's kind of like he's kind of like Andrew Billings. Bravion Roy is, is basically uh, – Andrew Billings is not quite as strong. So – I, my, my point is, there was at least three good defensive players that they drafted, one, two, and three. Because all three of those first ones that you mentioned, they're good players, and they played some roles. A defensive tackle, an edge rusher, and a safety. You tell me the Raiders could use a big-time D-tackle, an edge rusher, another edge rusher, and a safety? I would say that they could, and I think they need a corner as well. So the Panthers tried to go get Troy Pride Jr., which I know a lot of Raider Nation wanted Troy Pride Jr. I remember that draft. A lot of folks said, oh, you got to go get him. He's going to be a baller, and I don't think it worked out with him. But they did work out the next year when they went and got J.C. Horn, right? They went and got him. He had he had a pick, uh, what, uh, two days ago? Sunday he had a pick, but it ended up not being a pick. It ended up being over, overturned because he didn't have his second foot down. But uh, he made a hell of a break on the ball. So point is, I think that they need to go and just fully address the defense. Because, again, like many people have called in and talked about, it has not been addressed enough. Uh, for quite a while. So I didn't mean to get on my soapbox about the offseason because, again, it's too early to talk about the offseason, but you get where I'm going with that. So so there's that. Um, let's see. We got a text from the 970-69187, keyword R&R. Yo, Q, I don't want to get rid of Carr, but just curious, if we end up moving on from Carr next season, uh, do you think Adams will want out? And my answer, my short answer, yes. Yes. And I don't think that I don't think that Derek goes anywhere. And I understand that you're saying that you don't want to move on from him. I know there's people that do. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think that there's a, a, a window that we've talked about quite a bit. I think there's a window that is open for this team, this offense in particular. And that's why I think it's real important that the Raiders show what Waller and Renfro look like in this offense and maybe get multiple games together and see what it all looks like so they can make decisions before the offseason and have to say, well, we'll see what it looks like next year. I think that they should use these last four games to see exactly what Waller, Renfro, Adams, Jacobs all look like out there on the field together and see if they get a good idea if, yeah, this is going to work. And if it does, great. But, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that, that uh, he's going to be back next year, and I do believe if they were to move on from Devontae Wood, one out. You know, especially if it's a, a, a rookie a quarterback that comes in or a young dude. I mean, he didn't want to have a young dude in Green Bay, so I'm sure he doesn't want to have a young dude uh, with the Raiders now. If it was some other veteran that he was very comfortable with, maybe he'd want to stick around, but that's another conversation, and I don't think that that's something that's actually realistic. I know there's different you know, rumors floating around out there. I don't think any of, the, any of those are realistic, so I won't even speak on them. But, uh, yeah, I think that, that Adams would definitely want out. But, again, that's just my gut feeling. 3.56 is the time. When we come back, Lincoln Kennedy is scheduled to join us, so hopefully we'll be talking with the great Lincoln Kennedy next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.